Thanos the Infinity Relativity Hardcover. Written in pencil by Jim Sterling. Inks by Andy Smith. Colored by Frank D'Armada with Rachel Rosenberg. Letter by Travis Lanaham. Cover art by Jim Starlin and Rachel Rosenberg. Logo and book designer Jerry K. Fletcher. Assistant editors Jonathan Mosain and Jake Thomas. Editors Tom Brevoort with Will Moss. This hardcover has been reprinted a few times. Once in Italian, which you can find as Thanos La Relativa dell'Infinito. It was printed in December 2015 as a hardcover. It was also printed in June 2016 as a softcover in Germany. Thanos Die Infinity Aligns. And of course, you can always find it on digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. This hardcover starts in the negative zone. Annihilus, the lord of the negative zone, is conferring with his top two lieutenants, Dr. Boltar and Blastar. His entire fleet is now equipped with Dr. Boltar's gateway targeting system, meaning they can strike anywhere in the positive matter universe in minutes. They are planning an attack as soon as they can locate a mysterious powerful item that Dr. Boltar is tracking. In the positive matter universe, four of the Guardians of the Galaxy, Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Drax, and Groot, are trying to find their fifth member, Gamora. The shuttle she was traveling in crashed on an asteroid, and they are going to rescue her, as soon as they can find her. They find traces of another ship having been there, and are going to track it. But before they leave, Rocket finds a mysterious red gem. As the Guardians prepare to leave, we move to... Earth. Specifically, 541 kilometers above its surface. We find a robot running around some satellites in an orbit above the planet. The robot also finds Adam Warlock, wearing the new outfit that he got in the Infinity Revelation. Adam knows that this robot is an advanced scout for the Protectorate, which is planning on stripping the Earth of all its mineral wealth. Though he's not sure how he knows that. Adam can't have the Protectorate do this and strongly advises them to find another planet. On board Annihilus' fleet, Dr. Boltar and Blastar are monitoring the activities of all individuals and organizations that Annihilus considers a threat. Except for the one being he considers the most dangerous, Thanos of Titan, who is currently in the realm of his beloved, Mistress Death, using her monitoring system. He is currently concerned with Adam Warlock, who was changed in the Infinity Revelation. Adam is far stronger than he was ever before, and the data Thanos is getting from him is... troubling. However, Thanos then receives a visitor. Himself. At least, the version of himself from years ago when he had the Infinity Gauntlet. The Gauntlet version tells him that he needs to find Gamora and Pip the Troll, and let them know that Adam has returned. While Thanos prepares for his journey, Adam is speaking to... someone. After recapping his life story, we see he is talking to Gamora. Maybe. And where they are speaking is a mystery. Don't worry though, we kind of worked this out during the episode. While this is happening, the Silver Surfer finds Adam's body unconscious in the only surviving ship of a vast, now destroyed armada. This is, was, the Protectorate. The armada was controlled by an advanced AI. It was once filled with millions of members. The citizens of Polterac 7, a worldwide pandemic, had hit the planet and the AI was able to rescue a lot of the population and take them to space. Traveling the stars of the people in cryogenic storage, protecting them until they can be cured. But at this point, there were only two people remaining, but the AI is still treating it as if it has to deal with taking care of millions. Adam was able to stop a misguided AI by destroying all but one of the ships, which is the one that actually had the two people on it. Now, as the surfer watches, 
Adam Warlock vanishes. And he wakes up in a luxurious bed. Getting up, he speaks to a scroll, Zelor. He apparently works for Zelor as a gladiator on the gladiator asteroid New Kral. Not knowing about Adam's return, Pip the Troll is in Starlin's bar, cheating at cards. He's about to get his ass kicked for the cheating when he is rescued by Thanos. Pip at first wants nothing to do with Thanos, since he refused to help Pip rescue the Hulk from Annihilus last time. This was in the Thanos vs. Hulk miniseries, which we covered in episodes 30, 32, 37, and 39. However, once Pip learns that Adam is back, he rushes to find him. Thanos also informs Gamora, who's annoyed because she had been captured by slavers and was just about to escape. But Thanos tells her that staying on her present course would bring her right to Adam, so she has to pretend she's still a captive to see where they'll bring her. Turns out they're headed for New Kral. On New Kral, our characters are about to come together. Adam is the headlining feature in the fights, while Pip and the Guardians have separately shown up there as well. Star-Lord is a bit concerned about Adam's presence. Since the last time they saw him, Star-Lord killed him. He wants to just find Gamora and get the hell out. Along the way, Rocket tries to have his new red gem, which I'm going to be calling the red herring this episode, identified. But no one has any idea what it is. While he's trying to get it identified, we see Annihilus and several of the great powers, including the Shi'ar, Kree, Skrulls, and Galactus, among others, have now tracked the mysterious item of great power to New Kral. Hmm. Okay, that's as far as we get in this episode. Not to jump too far ahead, but even though the big reveal of the, this mysterious item of great power will be covered in the next episode, we're going to have to reveal it now because it's going to be really hard for us to accurately discuss this part of the story without revealing it. So here it is. Rocket's gem is nothing to trick. The real item of great power is Adam Warlock. You see, in the first hardcover, The Infinity Relativity, the Adam and Thanos of our reality come into contact with the Adam and Thanos of another reality. By the end of that story, our Thanos and our reality are still around. Our Adam is dead. As well as the other Thanos, and in fact that other entire reality. Only their Adam Warlock has survived. And is now living in our reality. Well, that's what we thought at the end of that story. Though the truth is that other reality survived as part of Adam Warlock. The entirety of that universe exists inside of him. Which is why he is so much more powerful than he was before. And has knowledge he shouldn't have. You confused? Don't worry, Brian and I do our best to explain that in the episode. And if you want to refresh yourself on the Infinity Relativity, we cover that in episodes 14, 15, 16, 18, and 20. Alright, that's enough of the synopsis. Let's get this started. Welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Alf Dano, 
And this episode, we are not covering covering some flimsy little comic book. We have a nice, it's not vagrant killing size, but we have a nice little hardcover or original graphic novel, if you will, featuring Thanos by Jim Starlin. And if I'm covering that, that means you must know who's with me today. Hello. Hey, Brian. Hello, I'm Brian Zeno. Yes, we are back to co- finally to cover the next of uh, Starlin's original trilogy of the Thanos graphic novels. This Thanos, would be the part Infinity two. Relativity. Part two, and thank you very much for, uh, for uh, inviting me to read and analyze this one with you for reasons I shall get into momentarily. Okay. <clears throat> yes, of course. Well, hey, we, re- we did the last one. Yes. So we might as well do the next one. But we did the last one a while ago. Yeah, it, it hopefully had, we'll be able to schedule this a little better for the next, <laughs> for the, well, there's a miniseries after this, and then one more graphic novel. Okay, okay, so thank you for that heads up, thank you, yes. Yeah, and then there's the new sets of them, but we'll see how that how that comes out, they all do come out. Because then he's the new ones he's doing with uh, Alan Davis. Yes, yes, now is he still doing them, or did I hear that he has uh, once again uh, gotten fed up and left? Well, yes, he has gotten fed up and left, but I do believe, I know one has come out already. One okay. just came out a few weeks, a few, the first one just came out a few weeks ago. And I know, I believe the script, I believe he still does have the script going to Alan Davis, because I think Alan Davis already was working on the next one. Okay, okay. And I believe he said something like, there's no need to screw over Alan Davis. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair, that's fair. And of course, I, now, am, I am on record on this podcast as being a huge Alan Davis fan, so I'm very much looking forward to covering uh, that material. Yeah. Now, whether that is the end of that, well, I mean, I, as far as we know now, that's the end of that. But whether that's an ending or they just kind of drop, if, you know, hopefully it doesn't end with like a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Anyway, so I am pleased that you, uh, the reason I am pleased uh, two bits of preliminary. One, the reason I'm pleased to that you invited me to uh, do this one is because I remember when we did the last one, the Infinity Revelation, I was a little nonplussed. I mean, it wasn't bad per se, but it was very philosophical and metaphysical, not unexpected of Jim Starlin. But I did find it a very odd duck so to speak, uh, given that it really did seem to be gazing at its own navel and disappearing up its own metaphysical bunghole, kind of, primarily. And so at the end, when we, when all was said and done, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. And because this graphic novel, The Infinity Relativity, puts more purpose and uh, momentum into the story being told at you know following on directly from the navel gazing of the infinity revelation uh this not only was very entertaining to read but it also really uh made the infinity revelation a better story in hindsight to me so i'm very pleased about that however well good and here's the other bit of preliminary before we launch into the um stuff this graphic novel contains a number of callbacks to the 1970s warlock series uh got with uh callbacks to that era's iteration of gamora and pip the troll etc 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 and i have not yet waded into that particular set of comic books uh, I've been meaning to for a while, but for various reasons, some of which I alluded to on 
Twitter recently, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at Kid Chiron. Links in the show notes. Links in the show notes. So because uh, uh, for various not entirely serious reasons, I haven't yet cleared out the space in my reading schedule for that particular set of comic books. I want to give it my full attention and the attention it deserves. So uh, while I can vouch for the fact that you don't have to have read those comics to get full enjoyment, to get good enjoyment out of the Infinity Relativity here, I can also say that I'm probably missing certain bits of context uh, that I'm sure you, Al, will be able to fill me and our listeners in on. Well, we'll see about that. I mean, the these. I mean, have you ever read? It's just that you haven't read them in a while, or you just haven't ever read them. I've all? never, never read them at all. I flipped through them and read a page here and a page there, pretty much uh, a few years back. First of all, to determine that uh, that was in fact the art, like the first appearance of Gamora, that that is where she comes from. That's the yep. story that she was first introduced in, and also because. At some point, I'd become sort of peripherally aware of Pip the Troll, and I didn't know who he was or where he came from. So again, I just dipped in and looked at a page here and a page there in order to discover the information that that was, in fact, he was a part of that story. That's where he came from. Got it. But I've never actually read them in any sort of actual way. Yeah. Well, I mean, the nice thing is the relationship part for them. I mean, maybe specific details of events might be a different story, but the relationship part is basically Pip's Adam's best friend, mm-hmm. although he's kind of a perverted freak. Which is fine. the way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as I put it on another show that me and John were on recently, because he asked us to come on and talk about Gamora, uh, was on, well, depends on when this comes out, but it was on, but it was recently as of this recording, it was uh, the show called The Power of Fishnets. Okay. On the Fire and Water Power, uh, Network. It's a show usually about Black Canary and Zatanna. Mm. But I can see how the original iteration of Gamora would uh, definitely definitely be appropriate subject matter for a podcast with that title. And it's one thing I'm probably going to talk to when we get to the part when we get to Gamora here, as I'm seeing her a bit, is that there seems to be two Gamoras in comics. Mm -hmm. There's the original one by Starlin, who is a dangerous fighter mm-hmm. she's definitely you know she's still a dangerous fighter although unfortunately a lot of times she kept getting the short shrift because you know series would get canceled or whatever right on her but she's a dangerous fighter violent but the relationship between her and adam was well take catwoman and batman but make them like <laughs> make batman even more um repressed let's say <laughs> and make catwoman regular batman Okay, and that okay. was kind of their original relationship. You know, you knew there was something there, but quite frankly, neither one of us was neither one of them was actually going to make a move. Right, right, gotcha. And then there's the Gamora from post annihilate from annihilation on, who definitely is much definitely different in that regard. I mean, you know, she had a relationship with Nova. Uh, Tony Stark, after having a one-night stand with her, felt broken. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, and her, the fact of bef- Game Gamora before was willing to fight and ready to do that and kill, but this Gamora looks forward to it. Yeah, no, she 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 gets off on it, and which is why the only real real um, the, uh, real relationship I've seen her have since Annihilation is with Angela. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and um, <laughs> that's true. And quite frankly, the point I made on that show, which I, man, it's my theory, is that we got both of them in the movies 
original Gamora was played by Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Mm-hmm. And the new version of Gamora was played by Karen Gillan called Nebula. Yes, because that wasn't necessarily Infinity Gauntlet Nebula. No. That's not any Nebula I've ever really read before. Nebula to me was all, well, to me, to be fair, Nebula was always boring space pirate chick. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. There was nothing about her that was special. But this Nebula I liked in the movies, and I realized that's kind of, she's basically taking the role of Gamora post-Annihilation. Yeah. And at some I know I'm reading here, and at some points it looks like he's trying to merge the two a little bit here. Yeah, I'm trying not to hold. It's, it's odd because you look at the, um, the, the, the treatment of the Guardians of the Galaxy, who feature prominently in this graphic novel, the treatment of the Guardians of the Galaxy is, I'm trying not to hold it too hard to a relation uh, or, or a um, link to the Guardians of the Galaxy as seen in other books. Because frankly, now we've had three major runs on the Guardians uh, since they were since this iteration of the Guardians was formed during Annihilation, you've got the uh, Abnet and Lanning, the uh-huh. original Abnet and Lanning, you know, Annihilation, post-Annihilation, Realm of Kings, etc. Which is um, referenced here, which is referenced here, because that's which, the one that Adam Warlock was a part of. Right, and that seems to be the, the closest version to what we're seeing here. Then you have the Bendis run, which was kind of the same characters, but significantly different enough that you don't necessarily want to say it's the same thing that we're seeing here. It's very much more like the movie. Right, and then you have the Jerry Duggan run, which I believe is still currently going, even though the, the actual title, I think, is is sort of on hiatus, and Duggan's run is currently going on in the Infinity Countdown uh, uh, stuff. But anyway, the point is, is that the Jerry Duggan um, Guardians of the Galaxy are very much part like like are very much derived from the movie it's like if the bendis version kind of informed the movie which is weird because actually uh james gunn has said that he was going very much for uh not bendis but abnet and lanning instead but anyway point is if the bendis run kind of informed the movie the uh jerry duggan and aaron cuter run really seems derived from the movie, informed by the movie rather than informing the movie. Anyway, the point is, but since this is Starlin, and it's weird because Starlin, obviously he can write other people's characters. That's something he's often done. He debuted on Iron Man. I was recently reminded that he was the writer of Batman Death in the Family. Mm-hmm. And for uh, a little while before and after. Yeah, exactly. So it's not that he can't go in and write someone else's property, but when he's in full-blown Starlin mode, it seems like everything, you, you sort of have to keep in mind that everything's kind of taking place in a little pocket Starlin-verse. And Probably, is yeah. not to be, and is not to be narratively or canonically uh, beholden to anything else going on in that company's publications. You know, especially in this instance where, let's face it, Adam Warlock, did he create? No, but he basically recreated him. Yeah, yeah. So um, Thanos, he created. Gamora, he created. Drax, he created. So exactly, we're, you know, exactly. We're dealing with a lot of things that are his creations as well. So I could see why it'd be easy to slip, even if you're, not, even if you're trying not to, to slip back into... Your, your original mindset of these characters, because, well, that's so much stuff that you created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True that. So, but anyway, shall we, uh, shall we slip into the narrative here? Sure. 
yes, Thanos, the Infinity Relativity. This is a nice little hardcover. With let's see, so well, I'll do, I'll do the synopsis and do the credit, creator credits there. Okay. But we do have a little um, intro by James Robinson, mm-hmm. which is very nice. And I did not realize. Apparently, I have to look into this. He wrote the script for the adaptation of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, I did not know that either. Which I heard it was terrible, but he's he's such a good comic writer that uh, I don't know. I mean, I I, I know uh, Starman is is legendary, and yes, I uh, did quite like his uh, work on Fantastic Four towards the mm. uh, end of its last run. Oh yeah, and I like his All New Invaders. Ah, I haven't I haven't read that. So that was fun. He was trying to do the same thing he did with Justice Society of America, of bringing like new some of the original invaders and like new generations of these old characters so they mm-hmm. kind of give Marvel like their own cuz DC definitely has a much bigger thing for golden age characters than Marvel does. Yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Legacies and stuff of these characters running around where with these Marvel it's kind of like basically it's Torch, Cap and Namor, pretty much it. Yeah. And Torch is primarily Vision lately, so Lately, yeah. he says it's been 50, for, for the last fifty years. Well, no, they no, they brought it back. They, no, there's now two of them again. Member. Oh, okay. John Byrne did that in Avengers: West Coast. Yes, yes, I and do actually they, remember that now that you mention it. He, yes. he brought the torch back, and then they figured it out in in Avengers Forever. Oh, they, why there's two of them? They really did enjoy that. Uh, they really did enjoy that. Uh, uh, Pym family drama between like with Ultron and. The Vision and the Grim Reaper and Wonder Man, like all like that was that that was some actually really good serious heavy family drama shit going on back in the day. That would be a really fun miniseries, real quick aside to put in do do something with that entire family. You know, it doesn't even have to be about the family specifically, but having everyone like the whole extended family. Yeah. So you would have the Human Torch and Toro. Yeah. And the Vision. Yeah. And you know. Both, you know, the new Wasp and, you know, the old Wasp and Ant-Man and Scott Lang and his daughter and um, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Magneto. <laughs> it, it really, no, it, it's really, it's a kind of insane. Crystal. Yeah, no, it's kind of insane. Uh, I'm going to, let me, let me think about that. That might be a fun thing for us to uh, sort of, uh, to maybe uh, do a thing on. Huh. I'll look hey, into that. I, I, once I finished the comic book ages on there, I, I mean, I have my other stuff, but I had fun doing that one thing where we had like a big thing to do and the, Besides, fact, it gave me a bunch of episodes. It was kind of like a fun little topic. Yeah, yeah. To doing that other feed, so this is always another fun little thing we can try and work, you know, try and work out as well. Yes, I'm down. I'm down. But anyway, anyway, yeah. that aside, let us let us try and stay on on. Uh... Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. This episode, we do the introduction by James Robinson. That's yes, it. <laughs> yes, that's it. We'll get through two yeah. pages, and then uh, we'll have to pick it up in a couple of weeks. Okay. Anyway, go okay. on. So, so, so we're into the main series. Okay, here we go. Finally, act. Pictures and words. Woohoo! Yes, yes. There are. No, I just counted. There are ninety-five pages of story in this uh, graphic novel. Just for the record. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a whole. That's a nice meaty chunk of storytelling that we're getting out of Mister Starlin here. Yeah, and thankfully because he can't really draw anymore after that hand injury. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Carrie. So. Uh, we start on we start in the negative zone, and we're basically back in annihilation. Now, I have to ask: mm-hmm. Is this meant to be uh, the era of annihilation, or are annihilation waves just a sort of periodic uh, 
dis- periodic disaster that the that the Pazaverse has to deal with now, kind of like hurricanes yeah. or tsunamis. Uh, yeah, yeah, or at least something to try and prevent from happening. You know, okay. Annihilus is an ongoing, constant threat. Okay, gotcha. And this new bulked up version of him happened in the uh, Thanos vs. Hulk miniseries from a couple years ago. Ah, which I which I actually didn't even catch like came out i didn't even hear of it about it until i was like sort of starting to get into the reading for this episode so yeah we covered that on the show a couple years ago but then, that I, was when they had a second hulk title that would they were originally planning on being like uh legend of the dark knight you know it's going to be like rotating creators doing different eras of the hulk ah uh, was that the one that started out with an alan davis run i believe so yes it lasted like seven issues, and then this was going to be the Thanos vs. Hulk mini was, I believe, supposed to be the next part of it. And instead, they just kind of decided, well, yeah. let's do, let's put Thanos' name on the cover. Gotcha. And so they made it a Thanos vs. Hulk mini series instead, and the, the original Hulk title kind of just went away. You know, there was no, I don't remember seeing anything about being canceled. It just kind of stopped. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. That's where that happened, and that's also what Pip is talking about later on when he's yelling at Thanos. Right, so right, because I do remember the Hulk. Yeah, the, I do remember some reference to that, and so okay, interesting. So that's when, so that's when Annihilus got uh, upgraded. Yeah, well, it kind of goes along with what Char- Robinson said in the introduction, where Starlin kind of creates, like you said, it's almost its own apocalyptic universe. But like he creates his own little worlds in different titles, which he said, you know, back then in the seventies didn't happen often. Right, obviously more so now, but back then. Thanos starts in Iron Man, continues his story in Captain Marvel, and Adam Warlock, and ends over here, plus a few pops over here in the Avengers. This thing is like you have these three graphic novels, but it also involves that Thanos vs. Hulk mini, and there's also a, a mini a bridging mini between this graphic novel and the next one. Right, yeah. right. It looks like as we begin, the negative zone annihilation wave army of shitheads is, yeah. um, it has, a, has, a, has a leading triumvirate. Uh, with Annihilus and Blastar and Dr. Boltar. Yeah, and I think Dr. Boltar was introduced in that mini. Was introduced in the uh, Thanos vs. Hulk mini? I'm pretty sure yes, but okay, I'll check that later. Because that was actually going to be my question, is is this the first time we've seen this guy? Because you've already done the, uh, you've already done the synopsis, so it's not really a spoiler. He mm-hmm. claims, late in this story, he claims to be the big bad truly pulling the... Sp- strings yeah and that annihilus is merely his figurehead so with him being this kind of sort of pr- the the deceptively primary villain of the of the piece i was just curious if this was his first introduction or if we had seen him before because i'd yeah, never we, heard of him before yeah he was in that miniseries okay yeah yeah he's kind of a but he he did come across the way he does in like the first half of this book a little bit more of a bit of a sycophant but also an intelligent sycophant right. you know, at least before we get the reveal like this part with Blastar when he says you know he's yelling all oh, you know failure is not an option my liege oh right. hail lord annihilus yeah and Blastar's like the truth he's like hey, it'll be what it'll be yeah he, you know who he reminds me of in a way um I do not know if you have watched any of the iterations of Voltron yes. but uh in Voltron you know for the uh the bad guys you have Hagar she appears to be a sycophant of uh, Lord of, of of King. Oh man, I can't remember the Zarkon? king's name. Zarkon, 
right, of King Zarkon, and, you know, then later Prince Lotor, and, you know, all she's really there for is to create the Roe Beasts and to develop the new threats and blah blah But in her own mind, she's the puppet master. She's the real power behind the throne. That appears to be a very good meta, uh, analog to what True. how, how Baltar and- is here. Plus, in the new series, there's even more connections. Well, right, right, but I didn't, you know, I'm, I still have some catching up to do with the new series. So, well, I haven't watched the new, I haven't watched the new season yet, but I'm up to the, the season before. Otherwise. Right, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of the season before myself, so we're probably at about the same point. Yeah. So, anyway, point but, is oh, that that's what the, that's what Baltar reminds me of here is kind of yeah. a Hagar kind of figure. Yeah, I can see that. And Blastar, I have to, I. I need to look back into Blastar's history. I don't know if it's just Starlin or this has always been his personality. Blastar's fun. Blastar's like this working class guy who works for you. Know, this is where he lives. Yeah. He's not a villain. Yeah. He's a guy in the army. He's just the toughest mother. He's like their Sergeant Fury. Yeah. Basically. I think I, I think I have seen him used a bit like this before. Because I think after many decades, like, because he, yeah, he came from the negative zone. Actually, I think he was the first resident of the negative zone we met. I don't think we met a nihilist until a little later on. Yeah, but, I'm not sure who came first. Uh, if I right. if I recall if I recall my initial uh, run through the Stanley Jack Kirby Fantastic Four, oh. uh, Blastar was uh, introduced was the when we first when Reed first found the negative zone, Blastar was the first denizen of the negative zone that he encountered. But anyway, my point being is that so he was supposed to be this sort of like invading. Uh, big bad wants to take over the the Posiverse as well as the Negative Zone, blahdy blahdy blah. But then once we got Annihilus, and Annihilus was this sort of real all-conquering warlord running the Annihilation Wave and everything. After several decades of trying to make Blastar into his own sort of warlord, I think they realized that next to the much more sinister and uh, strategic and sly tactics of Annihilus. Blastar wasn't really credible as a big bad on his in his own right. So rather than trying to keep propping him up as a primary villain of his own, they decided he worked better as a sort of uh, brute for hire or sort of secondary muscle. I think that is a much more comfortable use and role for Blastar. Yeah, because and also like I said, I agree with you completely on that. And based on what I saw, because he's used quite a bit in the Thanos vs. Hulk's miniseries okay. by Starlin. Again. I really got to read that now. Nessie, thank you. I really got to make that a priority to read that now, because clearly yeah. I'm missing quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's more just background with these characters for the most part. But it's fun, especially the fact that, like I said, based on reading that and this, yeah, he basically has Blastar be Sergeant Fury for the Annihilation Wave. Right, right. And, and that's his characterization, I mean... It's a lot of fun. At one point, he's like, "Oh, thank you. like gotta love my boot jets," you know. So he's you know falling, jumps around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it, it really is. The, I, I didn't just came with that now, but yeah, he is Sergeant Fury. Yeah, he's so much fun. Like I like Blastar. I really do. And that's that's good because with uh, with with this kind of big cosmic story, like in general, and especially with the way Starlin writes, he's he's kind of old school. It's good to have a a a deft sort of uh, much more engaging character like that because otherwise everybody would be like, you know, giant badasses Shakespearean speechifying at each other. Exactly. And you don't. You got this, you know, this guy. Yeah, yeah. So now, so they're ready to attack and they're looking for, you know, over there. But for now, we go back to the positive universe. We have the part with the Guardians and Rocket finds 
I'm not sure. For now, I'm calling it the red herring. Yes, yes. That's exactly what it is. It's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting, just a slight note here, that the way Starlin draws Groot, uh, he looks very yeah. similar to Beta Ray Bill. And I don't oh, think that's, that's deliberate. I, I don't think that's deliberate in any way, shape, or form. Um, it, it's just this artistic choice that he made. But it's I found it occasionally a little distracting, frankly, because every time Groot's on on page, I'm sitting there saying, "Wait, where did Bill come from?" Oh, that's Groot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because the body's very smooth too. He draws a different Groot. I mean, yeah. Eh, wonder. I can deal with that though. Well, yeah, it's a little weird every time I see him. And I'm going to give him a pass. Um, he writes Starlin because he created Drax. He did not create this iteration of Drax. The Drax that Starlin is responsible for is the 70s Drax, and I believe he's also responsible for the dumb, brute 90s Drax yes. of the Infinity Watch. But the yep. fact is, this the red tattooed current Drax is a Abnet and Lanning. Uh, well, no, you're I, right, Giffen. You're right, Giffen. Cause, cause he wrote, he, the miniseries. Yeah, which was fantastic. I've read that thing twice, and it's, yeah. it's just so good but anyway which is more of a throwback to the original yeah yeah but anyway the point is that drax uh, as developed by as invented by giffen and as developed by bendis and duggan more recently starlin writes drax with a more casual mode of speech like like drax like here on on page three where he says a uh, gamora bagged by traffickers um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a sort of a, that is a very casual diction that you, I don't think you'd see from Drax in any other book that he's in. So hmm, just, I'm trying to remember cause I, I've been reading the infinity countdown, but mm-hmm. not except for guardians of the galaxy number 150. I haven't really, I'm not caught up on that series. Right, right, right. And guardians 150 only read because I picked up and read because well, return of Adam Warlock. Yes. <laughs> I am still working my way through the Duggan run because the weird thing about the Duggan run is much like uh, the uh, recent Greg Rucka run on Wonder Woman, it did alternating issue storylines. So I was sort of waiting for a bunch of them to come out. Ah. So I got the story that they did involving the the Collector um, and the Game Master that they did in issues, I think, 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, and 11. But uh, I haven't read the even-numbered issue storyline yet. Oh, okay. And then, okay. It, and then that wound up with uh, issue 150 and then transitioned into the Infinity Countdown stuff. So I'm, I'm still working my way into, into yeah. that uh, current run. I'll get that eventually. My post in Secret Wars reading of Marvel is still getting it's still leading up to Civil War Two. I haven't got up to that part yet. I see. I'm I'm very selective about my post uh, about my post Secret Wars Marvel reading. Like I, I read I'm reading like Squirrel Girl, Miss Marvel, All New Avengers. I mean um, All New uh, All New Wolverine, uh, Champions. I mean it's very it's very sporadic and like selective. I'm not really doing very comprehensive reading and there's very like major important stuff i know going on that i'm just missing entirely but i don't care yeah well <laughs> i'm only... reading on Mar- marvel limited so i'm not paying you know any more for it than one issue than another so it's kind of like easy for me to throw it all in there right right to right no each i hear week you following up yeah oh, but i will say this all new wolverine is so far at least the first nine issues yeah wow no i i, I adore it i adore it and i'm a little sad because I believe the next issue to come out, I've been reading. It's one of the few titles that I'm reading current 
that I'm that I'm actually reading every week as it comes out. The I believe the next issue, whatever the next issue is to come out after today, which is uh, uh, May 3rd, um, I believe is the final issue either of all new Wolverine period. They're going to like move her into something else because I know they're bringing Logan back or something like that. But anyway, yeah. point is, um, I, if not of all new Wolverine as a title, I believe it's the last run, uh, issue of Tom Taylor's run as writer. Which uh, okay. makes me very sad because I'm hoping we can find some way to keep uh, Gabby around. Because I heart her like nobody's business. She is one of the best characters in comics right now. That's what I've seen. The little bit I've seen of her and what I've heard. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Yeah, so she only gets better, trust me. You know, uh, as the series goes on, Gabby remains awesome. And that's all I'm going to tell you. So anyway, back to, back, to, back to the infinity relativity. We are, this is going to take us a while, isn't it? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> That's how we roll, you and me, Al. Yeah. That's how so, we roll. Yeah, so they're, they decide to go track Gamora because they're mm-hmm. not sure what, where she is. She's yeah. Right, you know, like we said, she's crashed, and they're like, oh, Something happened. happened. Yeah, she just, we have a ship, and they think she got bagged by slavers, which I find highly unlikely, but okay. I like the line that uh, Quill says here. Then the question becomes, are we heading off to save Gamora from slavers? And then Drax says, or them from her. And Rocket goes, my money's on the gal, our gal running the whole operation before we ever catch up with her. And I'm like, that's that's a, that's good stuff right there. Yeah, that's entertaining. And to be fair, that can go for either version of Gamora. As yeah, no, abso- absolutely. So then we transition to this robot above the Earth's surface. And hello, yeah. new Adam. Yes. And by the way, does this remind you? And I don't, I mean, it only reminds me of it because I've seen pictures, but I never read it. I think it was like a John Byrne series that he did for some other company back in the 70s. It was like Raj 201 or something. Hmm. No, that's not sounding, that is not sounding familiar to me, so I cannot comment. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up later and put a picture up in the show notes, and either I'm going to be like, either it's going to be, yeah, it does look a little familiar, similar to that, or wow, you're really stupid, Al. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the two. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to do a deep dive for us. Give us that information. But anyway, so yeah, we have Adam hanging out on a satellite. Yeah, just chilling. I like it. He's kind of it's kind of sassy for Adam. He's like, I just want to get a look at the Earth, and uh, yeah, you're ca- ca- trying to cause a problem by you know you want to suck away all its uh, resources. Now here's know, the resources. thing. He says so, my nope. intention was to have one last look at Earth before what. Do we do we know what he what, what he's up to like what his intentions are? Not really, but I think he kind of has an idea that something's going on with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. He so. knows something is up. He knows things are weird with him, so I think he's kind of like getting a feeling like something bad's up. Okay. And how does he like? And how has he gained all this intel on the robot and the protectorate and what they uh, uh, what they're up to? Is like, does he have well, some sort of? That's part of the mystery we'll get to later in the episode. In the okay, issue, but like, okay. he even says here, I know what you are, even right. though I should not. Ah, okay, okay, even though I should not. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right. How he knows this is a major plot point later on. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. So That and all the new powers he has. Because now he's able to like almost telekinetically stop this robot and basically destroy it. Um, now, I, I probably asked this question to you when we did the Infinity... Uh, Revelation uh, several years ago, um, but because it was several years ago, I have forgotten what you said. So I'm going to ask you again. Mm-hmm. Um, because my exposure to Adam Warlock as a character is at this point primarily limited to um, his years as him 
back in the 60s, and the first few issues of the Roy Thomas Gilcane run from Marvel Premiere, I believe, back yeah. in the uh, uh, early 1970s. So in the last panel here on page five, we see Adam with this kind of, I would, I would, the first word that comes to mind is sinister or, you know, badass kind of expression on his face. And I noticed that the Adam, one of the Adam Warlocks that was running around the Infinity Revelation also seemed to be a lot darker and a lot more, well, frankly, uh, evil um, than the Warlock I was originally familiar with. So I have to ask, is, I, I'm guessing as part of all of his 90s, storylines with the infinity watch etc 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 uh warlock went to some dark places and got uh into some uh got into some bad uh activities is that correct actually it's a little bit of both yes that is true okay so he definitely is a bit more of that you know he's definitely not as naive as he was let's say in that original marvel premiere series okay or the you know that eight issue warlock run before he got crucified right okay but also just a refresh for you or anyone else from the last graphic novel what it was is there's a story of basically two universes two right. adam warlocks two thanos both universes were basically screwed up remember they were changed into like a, an adam warlock world and yeah. the thanos world yeah and basically the thanos of that universe died that universe well, we'll say died for now. Yes. And yes. our Adam Warlock died. Right. And we ha- and said this is the Adam Warlock from that other universe, which is why he's wearing this costume. Right. This is the, apparently for him, this is the costume he's always worn. Mm-hmm. And so now he's been inserted in our universe, and most people, he just assume he's the Adam of ours, and it looks like the events of his past are more or less the same. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like in the movie Beer Fest. Have you ever saw it by the guys who did Super Troopers, where the one guy dies and then his twin brother shows up, and they're basically like, "Hey, so you're going to basically take your brother's place? Yeah, can we just call you by his name? Yeah, <laughs> great. It's like he never died." God, okay, interesting. No, I never saw that one, but I will. Uh, I will take your word for it. So, um, so okay. So anyway, so this Adam Warlock is much more of a badass than I remember. So he makes quite short work of the protectorate it would appear you know at first when i was reading this i thought reading that that when you see this armada i thought that was the uh annihilation wave but you're right that is the protectorate he's going showing with mm-hmm. he teleports to mm-hmm. and we'll see what he does to them in a little bit but we go back to boltar and blastar checking out basically home pervert videos of annihilation annihilation yeah. making of all of his enemies yeah seriously they got spot they got perv cams everywhere you two nasty boys yeah, no wonder Blastar has that smile. They both have that pervert smile. I know, I know. They're they're looking awful happy. I'm like, okay, I don't need to know what you two have been doing. Although I'm looking at these pictures in the background, I'm like, really? Onslaught's still around? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a that's an interesting point. And do you know that it is above Onslaught? Um, is that supposed to be Nova? I'm 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 looking around. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. Yes, that is a Nova. Now, which Nova that is, I couldn't tell you, because um, well, there have been I several. Mean, yeah. Now, since Richard Ryder, in at least Annihilation, member ripped Annihilus out of his armor, uh-huh. I could see it being him, because obviously he probably would not be very happy with that individual. Yeah, but Sam, you know, his his son Sam has been running around as well. True. Um, we get the thing, Silver no, Surfer, no, no. Gladiator. He's not, he's not Richard Ryder's son. Sam no, is yeah, the son of a Nova. Son, but yeah. he is not Richard Ryder's son. That's right. 
So yeah, we also have Silver Surfer, The Thing. The Black, and we've got Black Bolt, and I'm trying to, who is that next to uh, Galactus? I, uh, Terax. That's what I, right, right, Terax. Um, so anyway. Leader, Super Scroll. Uh, the Great Captain Intelligence. Marvel. No, the Supreme Intelligence. Supreme Intelligence, Supreme Intelligence. Great Intelligence great. is uh, Doctor something Who. else. That's yep. Doctor Who. <laughs> that's Ian McKellen. So here is a thing that I wish to know. And this is just a little bit of meta, but uh, Blastar says, um, you're new to this, Baltar. It's the unexpected that usually throws a monkey wrench into the works. They have monkey wrenches in the uh, negative zone? That's quite the earth colloquialism he's uh, employing there. Of course they have monkey wrenches. Okay. And they're called monkey wrenches? Yes. Okay. It's just, they had monkeys. And Alice got, got sick of them. Oh, and, and okay. And he turned them into bugs. Yeah, that works. Yes. <laughs> so that. Oh, I know. Yeah. Anyway, just something. I, I, that's weird. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I can't help thinking like that. I have. I have. No, I know. Sometimes I'm, you're like, really? How do you know what that is? I'm. I'm stuck in copy editor mode, and I always want to fix people's like. You know, I always want to fix everyone's grammar and punctuation. So sometimes when I see something like that, I'm just like, my first thought is, Are you sure you want to use that phrase here? Doesn't it sort of wreck the world building? But then I'm like, Okay, just let it go, Brian. Let it go. Be in the spirit of the story. <sighs> okay. And I do like on that bottom of the page, Blastar's little smile as he's pointing at the blank screen. Yeah. As Baltar saying, in this venture, nothing's being left to chance. And he's like, really? really? Then who should be there? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that, is, that does transition us to Thanos paying his girlfriend a visit. Yep. So I guess they're on again now. Yes. <laughs> on again, off again? Basically, yeah. They're on again, they're off again, they're on again, they're off yeah. again. There are times when he's all about himself, and there's times when he's all about her. Yep, yep. So he's in the domain of Mistress Death, which is, as you would predict, full of zombies and skulls and Mordor and etc., etc., etc. Yeah, he's basically he's doing got a, a similar thing. Yeah, he's got screens, too, where he's looking at everybody. Although his are a bit more cosmic. we got the in-betweener, I'm assuming that's Despair, Apocalypse, mm-hmm. Mephisto, the Beyonder. Mm-hmm. That you consider my continuing to audit events. He's auditing events back in the realm of the living. It's it's, yeah. inter- it's interesting. It's a weird, interesting, different sort of set of multiverses we've got going on here. Because um, unlike, say, the old original Marvel multiverse with you know Earth six one six and and it's and then the Ultimate Universe and bloody bloody blah. Here we've got the negative zone. We've got the Pausiverse. We've got the domain of Mistress Death, which is a different place. It's a very um, like I said, this, the Starland verse is a unique entity, and it does, I think, take a little bit of. Um, uh, it takes a slight adjustment to slip yourself mentally into it before you tackle one of these stories. But I think it's worth it. No, 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 it totally is. It's just funny. So, yeah, I'm seeing. Who am I seeing on these screens? I'm seeing. Is that despair I'm seeing? Yeah, right below Galactic. And the, the stranger, and. Uh, We've I'm going to assume that's the Silver Surfer up top. Th- I, that's probably the Silver Surfer. You've got Annihilus. You've got the, uh, God, what, what is that? The, the, the in-betweener? Yep. Mephisto. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. And is that Apocalypse I'm yeah. seeing? Okay. So and Onslaught again. And yeah. who is that, though, between, between like, behind, under Annihilus and next to the in-betweener? Is that? That almost hmm. looks like the symbol for the Executioner. Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That is a strange sort of 
that one is framed a little weird, so I really can't comment. I, yeah, I'm not I, sure I, that I, is. Yeah. Anyway, it, it ultimately it does not matter. So. Um, yes, that's true. So, so, so Thanos is speechifying, monologuing, kind of, although he's monologuing at his girlfriend, who uh, doesn't uh, appear to mind. Beings of power should be carefully mo- and continuously monitored. Most old enemies, one, and he's like literally gesturing at Adam Warlock, so this is not a mystery of who he's talking about. One, an ally I may have foolishly underestimated. Thanos really is the mover and shaker in this story, isn't he? Oh, God, yeah. But this also gives us some of our hints about what I said about Adam Warlock. You know, mm-hmm. he's not the Adam Warlock I knew of old. The physical right, might right. he now exhibits is far greater than any of his previous incarnations. Right. So he's sort of it's like throughout this, um, Thanos is the detective. Thanos is the Thanos is the hero of this story. Frankly, um, he is in usually usually in most other. Uh, stories that he's appeared in, especially the ones you and I have previously talked about on this podcast, Thanos is the antagonist. Thanos is he whom others react against. In this story, Thanos is very much the one doing the reacting. He's the actor. He's the one with agency. He's the one like seeing what's going on and figuring stuff out and making decisions accordingly and moving the story forward with his decisions. You know, it's very easy to see Thanos and think of him, continue to think of him as like, and wait for the hero, so to speak, be that Adam Warlock or whoever to show up. But then, you know, you, you take a moment and you realize, no, wait a minute. Thanos is in actuality, the hero of this story. Yeah. Well, that helps because his name's really big on the cover. Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. I'm Zatanna. Why do you care about some leggy dame in nylons? Or have I answered my own question? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for magic. Black Canary and Zatanna. Together in one podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and I've got a thing for superheroes in fishnet stockings. That's why I started Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. Join me every two weeks as I celebrate the Blonde Bombshell and the Mistress of Magic in their exciting adventures published by DC Comics. Power of Fishnets, available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. True, but even there, I mean, there have been times in the past where they've put, you know, yeah, here, we're going to give a spotlight to this character, but it's still very hard often for writers or editors or companies, you know, putting pressure on the writer. It's often very hard for them to break out of that traditional hero-villain mindset and do such a such an interesting and complicated 180 on a character as we see Starlin doing with Thanos here. That's all I'm saying. No, that's true. Because, in fact, going back real quick to that Thanos vs. Hulk miniseries, mm-hmm. one of the reasons you could tell it was definitely meant to be a whole part of that Hulk series is because it's really more of a Hulk story against the Nihilus with some Thanos. Yes. Yes, indeed. In fact, I think there's a whole issue that has no Thanos. 
Right, right. So I can, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, so, it's yeah, very it easy been to that. get, yeah, it's very easy for them to say, well, the, the, the audience wants to see this or the audience won't be able to handle it unless we frame it thusly and therefore. So just at times like this, I say, oh, good on you for, for having the guts to, 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 to present Thanos in a diff, in such a different and complex way. Yeah. That's true. And now, so we get Thanos, so we get a flashback to something you've at least, I know you've read. Mm-hmm. We get from the uh, Infinity Gauntlet-powered Thanos. Okay. Remember, and when we did Thanos Annual 1. Right, right, right. He popped in there showing that Thanos was doing more with the Infinity Gauntlet than just what we saw on the page. Right. Because if you have complete control of time and all that stuff, you're going to do a few other things while you're busy fighting Wolverine. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, considering so. how quickly he beat all the heroes in that one issue, I think it was issue three or four, the one with the uh, the cover, you know, the come at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, I, but I can imagine this taking place right then and there while he's like just, you know, blast killing everybody. But I do find it kind of interesting here. And this gets into time travel shenanigans and all of that stuff. Obviously, there's, this is always a thing. But, you know, um, on here on page 10, the the Infinity Gauntlet Thanos informs our Thanos, if you, for lack of a better way of identifying him, it is imperative that you inform Gamora and Pip the Troll that Adam Warlock again lives. Now, when we were first presented with the Infinity Gauntlet story, did Adam Warlock again live in the way that we are knowing here, or is this a sort of retcon, like the rebirth of Adam Warlock in the way that we saw in the Infinity Revelation has had a ripple effect that is retroactively changing stories that we already consumed, but that were different when we initially consumed them. See what I'm well, saying? I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, like he did come back. He was dead, remember? And he did come back in Infinity Gauntlet, but right. he came back in the traditional way, in a cocoon. Right. right. Here... This is the way where he comes back completely differently. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, wait—he did come back slightly different in Infinity Gauntlet because in Infinity, Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet, what it was was because they were in Soul World, right, 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 inside the Soul Gem. He took their souls and put them in body in the body of a car that had just crashed, and the three occupants who were bank robbers died. Right, right. And they took over the bodies, and then he went into the cocoon to completely reform himself. It's just it's like I find that interesting because here's here's one way to look at this. So that Adam Warlock, he actually was reborn and he was the Adam Warlock of that time with the agenda and the actions and blah blahdy blah. So the reasons for Infinity Gauntlet Thanos to be telling our Thanos to inform them that Adam Warlock lives and to then you understand what must be done. And I'm thinking our Thanos here, and this is very this could be very interesting if you want to look at it this way. Um he says, then you understand what must be done, and he disappears. And our Thanos is like, in general, but particulars are gone. And he's thinking, well, yes, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it for completely in a completely different way and for completely different reasons than you slash I were thinking at that point in history because, because the situation yeah. is different. Thanos doesn't operate under anyone's instructions, including his own. Right, exactly. It's like... That is a great point. That is a great point. Like, he is not going to be told what to do, even by himself. Yeah. No. Thanos does what Thanos wants. You know, but that's, it's actually very interesting, because, again, this is just a signal of, of, of how 
complex and interesting a character Starlin has made Thanos into. Just take this one uh, little speech balloon here where he says, these revitalized memories in truth explain very little and confuse more deeply, my love. And like for him to be not just experiencing but expressing a um, imperfection or vulnerability in that manner is very unlike the Thanos of the 1970s Captain Marvel series that we uh, have of late discussed. So... I just yeah. like that. I like that. It's just a sort of putting a fine point on it, if you will. Well, because she is one of the few he would discuss that with. Uh, but, it also, but it also and Adam Warlock, right? But I'm what I'm saying is it also the, that it's a self awareness. It's like the Thanos of the Thanos of the um, the initial in uh, Cosmic Cube saga um, of uh, the original Starlin story in Captain Marvel in the 1970s. That Thanos, as presented, would not have had the self-awareness, I guess, to even be aware of that confusion. Like, not even, like, much less discuss it with, with, with anyone. He would not have even, he would have, if it even impinged on he would have dismissed it, I think, because he was so convinced mm, of his own superiority and infallibility. And so I think this... That his this ability to recognize right, this that his ability to recognize that confusion uh, is is a sign of a, compl- of a of a deepening and a and a complicating and a maturing of the character, both in story and in the hands of the writer. No, so. I agree. And yeah, well, that's one reason to make Thanos such a great character. Mm-hmm. He's one of those ones who have gone past that. Even though he is a villain, he definitely is not just a villain. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, there's a few other ones like that you can do these interesting stories with. Uh, Doom, for instance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, is another one you can actually do these multi-layer stories with. Yep, yep. So now we get a couple of very interesting, uh, very Starlin-y pages. I mean, think yes. of how, like, this, this, this page 11 here with the with the with the with the narrative the dialogue happening in narration boxes differently colored to indicate the different speakers and then the art just rep- like going from black to a spark to an explosion like think of how perfectly or how comfortably that particular page and layout and approach would have worked in any of the 1970s Captain Marvel issues that we have discussed oh definitely and also very cinematically like that would work well as like a camera going through space, you know, through blackness with, you know, words, you know, people talking over it and then coming to light. Mm-hmm. You know, this light dist- in the distance getting closer and closer until it's a blinding throughout the whole screen. Mm-hmm. They're colored very simply, at least. Because yeah. the, or- the, 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 the orange is uh, Adam Warlock right. with the yellowish. And the, the gold. green is Gamora. Gold, yeah, Maybe. and the green is Gamora. And, but it's original, sort of original Gamora. That's not... And is that... Who is that? Who 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 is? Who is, who is he really talking to, and where is he talking to them? Yeah, is well, that that's true. That's true because the last we saw him, he was he was out to uh, to uh, bust up the Protectorate's invasion fleet, and now we have Gamora sort of teasing him, if you will, about suicide, you know, and and the fact that he never stays dead, and this is all, of course all a um, very Starlin-ish. Uh, segue into a an explanatory flashback um, where yes. we get to like just look at how it all started. Strange is the norm. Just look at how it all started, and so we learn about his, his sort of 
his origins as him and his initial conflict with Thor over Sif as presented in Fantastic Four and Thor in the 1960s. But again, they are just, while mostly as we remember, they are still sort of, we, we are still sort of presented with them as, yeah, but look at him. It's still new it Adam. It's different. It's yeah. new Adam. It's the new Adam since his rebirth in the Infinity Revelation, and that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, same costume in every single version. It's that he does, There's no change except for when he goes to him to Adam Warlock. Right, exactly. But we still but, get okay. the same events with the High Evolutionary and the Crucifixion and the events of the uh, the the events of the Church of Universal. What was the name of the Church? Universal Truth. Universal Truth. Uh, you know, and the Magus and all that. Magus, yeah, Magus. The Infinity, yeah, the Magus. And then we have the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, right. and him so, getting the Gauntlet. The goddess, Thanos clones, Achnaten, there was always some adversary to best. So we really get like an interesting sort of almost 50 years of history compressed into four pages. More or less. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah. So that's nicely done. Nice. I, I sort yep. of dig on that. Oh, one thing I do want to comment on here real quick mm-hmm. on, these, on these two, this two-page spread with like the words in the middle. Yeah. And like the little little typewriter on the outside of it. Yeah. Is... Eventually, I met the High Evolutionary, who guided me to a more suitable behavioral path. <laughs> yes. Really, the High Evolutionary. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, we we did that sort of initial he meeting between them, and and well, he did. Uh, he uh, like he's had brief periods of time where he was humane and normal and human, but for the most part, yeah, the High Evolutionary is like just a. Monstrous. He's like, I made a creation. You know what? I don't know if it's perfect. Let's just kill them all. And I do like this. I was young, arrogant, and ignorant of Asgardian acceptable behavior. And got your arse kicked. Love that. Um, But yeah, and it's interesting because the whole, like, it goes clockwise. So we start in the upper left with with him. And it just goes sequentially clockwise around the edge of the page with all of the events that they sort of reference until we finally reach uh, the uh, events of the Infinity Revelation and the shattering slash reforming of Adam Warlock's self, which is very important to the story at hand and cool. Yeah, and I think also reference the two Adams because obviously half, you know because one Adam died, one yep. Adam lives. Yep, exactly. So very interestingly done and very Starliny, as I keep saying, because because really Starlin, it's not just a style; it's almost a, a a storytelling language all its own. So you know, you get into a heavy Starlin-driven work like this, and you're really just stoking soaking in the Starlinness as much as you're soaking in the Thanos and the cosmic and the warlock and whatever other aspects are going on. And now we see him and Gamora in a kind of like tree-based Dicko universe. I was just about to say this is str- this is very much an astral plane uh, alternate reality straight out of Ditko's um, Doctor Strange. Straight out now, of it. Now, as we're going to get to it in a page or two later, he's currently quote-unquote dead. Mm-hmm. So my question is now... Is this in his head? And Gamora is... That's not Gamora. That's just his version of Gamora in his head that he's talking to. Is he actually in the realm of the dead? And in which case, is that somebody else taking the form of Gamora that he's talking to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my question, is where does this take place and who is that? Well, as far as where does it take place, I'm not sure... 
Yeah, because I don't think we get. I don't think that really gets answered in here. Well, he busted up the protectorate. Yes, and that's what happened. It clearly cost him something because he's lying inert on the ground when the surfer fall uh, comes upon him on page seventeen. Yeah, but you know what the computer says to him? Directly after diminishing me, Adam Warlock chose to self-destruct. Right, right. So he chose to self-destruct. That is a strange, like, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that works per se, but, um, and I'm not sure, and even even having read the whole graphic novel, I'm not sure the mechanics exactly, the specifics of how or why he comes to be talking to some form of Gamora. Yeah, I'm hoping that will be answered in one of the either that miniseries that follows us up or the next graphic novel. Okay, okay. But considering the fact that he is doing a contained world, you know, like this contained little storyline here, right. I'm assuming Starlin is going to resolve that. Yep. But I that, like I said, that's just my question here. Is that's what I want to know? Is where does this take place? And depending on where it takes place, who is that? You know, is it just his mental version of Gamora that he's talking? You know, he's basically talking to himself. Well, okay. Or is that somebody? Here's the thing about it, and this, as to to answer your question about where it takes place, and it's time to address, uh, it's going to be hard to go forward with analyzing this story without addressing the elephant in the room of, of the later revelation being that okay, this, well, Adam, do that. this Adam is in fact not just, this Adam is in fact a contained embodiment of the entire reality that was that seemed to be destroyed in the infinity revelation yeah. when when that warlock's universe appeared to be destroyed it was in fact reconstituted and embodied as this adam warlock so when we talk about where is this happening it's like this is not just a single being with a psychological mindscape where Do, something oh, like this can happen this, this could is, actually be the gamora from that universe. Right. And this is all happening in, you know, some sort of... Inside this warlock is not just a person's psyche. It is an entire universe. So that, I believe, is the closest we're going to come to co a coherent answer as to where that think took about place. That. Yeah. So this is like when you have Hulk and Banner inside their head talking to each other. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, technically, in both instances, they're talking, you know, both Hulk and Banner, and actually you could say, technically here say they're talking to themselves. Right. But it is an actual different personality or being that's in there. He's containing like, so much reality inside right. his self that that is something that can happen. Because he's the MacGuffin that uh, Annihilus will find out is Annihilus, you know, in the very beginning, Annihilus' whole reason for trying to go into the positive matter universe, again, is this thing of great power that he wants. Right, right, right. And it's what it is, is Adam Warlock, because it's the power of our entire reality. Mm-hmm. And it's also why he knows all the things he knows, because from what we can see, if this is his memory, you know, when we go back to going back to that page of the history of Adam Warlock, mm -hmm. that pretty much is the history of the Adam Warlock we know. So based on a lot of things like that, we can assume that basically the two realities were very, very similar. Right. You know, the 616 and this other one, I think it was like 20141. I forget which one I saw. It's, it's something. Okay, editor's note here. The actual universe that the other Adam Warlock is from is 19141. Not whatever the hell I just said. Ignore that. Okay.
back to the actual episode. But you can almost assume that basically, like, they're the exact same realities. The only difference was his costume. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So, but yeah, so anyway, that's just something that we're, that, that weird nature of this warlock is something we're going to have to keep in mind because it's not just a MacGuffin. In terms, I mean, it is. He is, in a way, he is the MacGuffin because he's this giant. He's he represents this giant energy source and Annihilus, and and his people are chasing him, and are, that's the motivation for their invasion and blah blah blah. But at the same time, it also changes the nature of this warlock as a character and a phenomenon, and that's definitely something to keep in mind as we uh, proceed with him. Okay. So, but anyway. speaking of that protectorate, protectorate, we get the. Sorry, let me interrupt. No, 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 I was just going to say, so yeah, so the surfer turns up and sees the wreckage of the Protectorate, and we learn about why they were um, trying to strip Earth of its resources. It's a very Doctor Who-type story here. Yes, yes, it really is. You could absolutely see the Doctor turning up, which just creates an interesting, weird little thing, because remember, in his uh, recently wrapped uh, run on Silver Surfer, Dan Slott openly... Uh, yep, based yep. at approach to the surfer and his and his adventures on Doctor Who, I'm reasonably sure that that was not a conscious choice on Starlin's part in this scene, and yet it fits in so perfectly. It's delightful. Yeah, yeah. Although in this although in this case it was more Adam Warlock being the Doctor instead of the surfer. But yeah, no, yeah. true, true, true. It's weird because then we're like sort of done with it, done with the Protectorate for now, I guess, because uh, Warlock flashes away. And, and wakes up in bed. And wakes up in bed in somewhere else, and suddenly we're in a scene out of Thor Ragnarok because he's fighting in an arena. It would appear. Yeah, yeah although not as a slave, he looks like he's uh, he he's working for the guy, a scroll of all things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who you know obviously is enjoying the good life. Yeah, no, this is all good stuff. There's rugs and it's beautiful, and that looks like a very comfortable bed he's in. Yeah, he's been working for the guy for about a month. Yes. Zellor. Um, so interesting. So, yeah, so I'm trying not, I don't want to get, like, distracted trying to decipher whether, like, he was kind of, in his sleep he was, oh, okay, yes, he was. In his sleep, he was sort of astral projecting himself elsewhere to take a look at Earth and then to deal with the Protectorate. That wasn't his physical form. And just think on that. This new Warlock has that kind of power that he can decimate the Protectorate's fleet without even using his actual physical body. Yeah, well, like I said, that he is infinitely powerful almost. You know, yeah, he created a dupe and then destructed the dupe. That, now it all makes sense. That's what happened. And so, meanwhile had a conversation with Gamora in his, in his, in his dreams. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, yeah, he's that's, exercise. Are you exercising? No, yeah. more like exorcising. Yeah, very, very cute line. <laughs> he's like, whatever. And now we see Pip the Troll for the first time in some time. Yeah, he's in the, he's in the bar Starlins. Yeah, is, yeah, it is Starlins. For a moment, I thought it said Stardust. Because no, it's, um, it's the bar that Rocket talks about in the beginning, too, when he says, maybe go, I bet you we'll find Gamora there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that looks like Judge Dredd coming out of Starlin's. <laughs> in it the does, first, and it does, yeah. In the establishing shot. But then we, we go, and yeah, he's in Starlin's, and he's... Uh, cheating the cards. Engaging in shenanigans, as Pip the, as honest Pip the Troll, who never cheats, does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he's uh, about to get his butt kicked until um, he has help. 
It scares the crap out of everybody. Yeah, Thanos saves him, and that's got to be a bit of a disconcerting experience for Pip, given the history. Eh, Pip kind of takes these things with Thanos in stride. He's like, so you killed me once, big deal. Yeah, no, it is funny, though, you're right, because Pip really, he's no longer, he's not intimidated by Thanos, he's just like, remember when I came to you for help in rescuing the Hulk? You told me to buzz off. He's just, he's really like, so I'm done with you, big guy, just, yeah, whatever, go hang. Well, I guess, A, if, you know, there's two approaches to take if somebody kills you, and obviously you come back. You're either going to be terrified of them, right? or you're like, well, what's the worst going to do? Oh, are you going to lobotomize me and kill me again? (laughs) Yeah. What's the worst? (laughs) What are you going to do? Fire me? Kill me? Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Besides, I can teleport now. I, I'm i more useful to you. Yeah. Alive than dead, so. Yeah. So so things really start moving now, though, because, you know, Thanos brings Pip into the plot line. And now, unlike what came before, you know, which was still with the villainous monologuing and invasion initiating that annihilus and blastar and boltar were engaging in in their few pages for the most part you know thanos in the realm of death and adam and gamora in his headscape and even the surfers sort of like little dialogue with the uh protectorate's ai um all of that was very much of a sort of nature of reality philosophizing metaphysical peace with the nature of the infinity revelation as a story which we sort of referenced earlier now though when thanos grabs pip out of starlands and explains to him adam warlock's alive again and use your link you'll confirm it's true and pip's like yeah he is alive but he's different and thanos because he is what i'm saying is now we're getting into actual events we're getting into things happening and people doing things and instead of instead of sort of endless not endless i mean that's a negative word to use i don't want it to be a negative connotation but instead of the sort of just philosophizing that has been the bulk of this story to date through the previous graphic novel and this one so far now we're getting into stuff happening we're getting into plot yeah well it's a little yeah it's a little different structure the last one like you said was very much the whole philosophizing and all that stuff that last graphic novel this one you kind of it's like okay we've set up right. mindsets and how things are with the philosophizing and now using that where they are this that's where they are mentally now this is what that's what we're using that to inform the action exactly exactly yeah. so, so that's why adam warlock is fighting in a gladiatorial ring right and that is why now you have all these things coming at him and blah 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 right exactly because now gamora has been watching it on you know see Thanos is a jerk though he doesn't tell pip he's on three-way yeah you tell i know somebody when you're on a three-way call yeah you know, i know god forbid they say the wrong thing but no you don't you know, he doesn't tell pip well, hey, keep silent. Now, you know what? This is I got to disagree with you, because in my in maybe I've read too many Lacari novels. But the fact of the matter is that's tradecraft. You don't give away everything. You know, it's like, yes, I hear what you're saying. You know, that's the nice thing to do. But if you if you've got serious shit to get accomplished, the, the then, you know, oh, I know. The, nice, the nice thing <laughs> to do isn't always effective. You know what I'm saying? So the nice thing to do is also not going to be done by Thanos, ninety percent of the time. And and that's also true. But I'm saying I'm saying I'm not going to knock Thanos for this because the fact of the matter is, is you know he wants he he wants to make sure that what needs to get done gets done. So I'm going to be like, yeah, 
Yeah, you, you, you. The thing I like about Thanos in in this this sort of weird semi heroic Thanos that we've gotten over the course of the two Infinity graphic novels is that he's actually not just efficient. I mean, Thanos has always been kind of efficient, but he's very effective. Like he means to do things and then he does them. And the fact that sometimes the fact that there are complications that keep the plot interesting and that keep the plot moving, the fact that there are complications isn't due to oh Thanos miscalculated or oh Thanos was keeping things to himself, you know, pointlessly or whatever. It's just oh, you know, he's doing things and he does what he wants to do, but the consequences are a little unexpected. And that I that's really my favorite kind of storytelling. Well, it is well done here. Yeah. Professor Zoom Yukonori led an ongoing expedition through his favorite single-issue comic book stories from the Bronze Age of DC Comics. <laughs> With unique celebrity guest perspectives to set this program apart from other comic book review podcasts. Solomon Grundy don't understand. Entity Terraman. I'm not following either. Bizarro totally get it. I intend to participate in your podcast show of wonders. As if I wasn't nervous enough. Little Professor Man, mansplaining again. Accessing files. Experience the wonder. Bizarro. What in tarnation did you do? Adios, partner. He am Bizarro Terra Man. Goodbye. Of the Done in One Wonders podcast wonder show. Watch out, you square-brained varmint. Only on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. So and we have. So, so yes, we find out Gamora, Gamora's, Gamora's on three-way. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about so that. We do find, that's okay. So we find out Gamora apparently was captured. Mm-hmm. And apparently has to stay captured now. Right, which I find interesting in that she's already clearly been contacted by Thanos, and her capture by slavers was not entirely involuntary. Well, no, I think it was. At least what it looks like to me is that she's like, she's captured by the slavers, she's gotten the cuffs off, Thanos contacts her, and she, he's like, maintain your present heading and status and you will cross paths. Right. And, you know, she's like, oh, well, great, I just got the cuffs off, now I gotta put them back on. Right, exactly. What I, she's find... like, I was ready to be, I was ready to, you know, rescue myself, and now I gotta wait. Yeah, but what I, uh, just one quick uh, aside here, um, and this is a, uh, I put this at, um, not just Starlin's rendering, because he invented Gamora and all that, but also his current rendering, plus the coloring of Frank Darmada. Gamora's facial coloring has always been interesting to me. The uh, coloring around her eyes has always... I've always been curious to know if that is a cosmetic feature, a chosen cosmetic feature of herself, or if that's biological based on her alien species, whatever that might be. I'm but, 90% going to say biological. Right, but in this case it almost looks like the way Dar frank darmada colors her and over the way starlin renders those um eye uh decorations um it looks very much like she is a human who has painted herself green around the eyes oh, peeking yeah. out from underneath green face paint basically like, and like I a don't, reverse mask right and i don't think that's necessarily intentional or the effect that they're going for but it's still the way it read 
to me, and I was just like, oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, just a little aside there. But anyway, so back on she goes to the uh, into the chains. They're telling her she's going to New Crow, mm-hmm. the gladiator asteroid. Right, you're and brothel she, bound. She's brothel bound, bound which is waste. hilarious because right, I'm saying, don't you know who you have here? Holy crap! Maybe like, really? they don't. That's a waste. Yeah. Don't they? And she even has a little bit of a smirk, like a smile on her face. She's like, "Really, you jerk?" Yeah, that would be that would be a waste. And I'm sitting here thinking, uh, and I'm hearing in my mind, "Don't you know who I am?" You just watch yourself. We're wanted men. I have the death sentence on twelve system. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. So speaking of new crowd, what a coincidence! That's yeah, now where we, everyone is. Everyone's there. We've got Pip there. We've got the guardians there. Although they appear not to be aware of each other's presence quite yet. And well, as we see, they don't. None of them know. I mean, Drax probably knows who Pip is. I'm sure. No, Drax definitely knows who Pip is. True. That's right from Infinity Gauntlet. Well, Infinity yeah. Watch. But obviously, they haven't seen each other. Right. In and quite the others some time. have no. The others, you know. I mean, I mean, just not. I mean, even now here, they, he obviously doesn't see him. Pip's up top there. Drax is down below, and also, you know, the others don't know him at all. So yeah, they haven't met yet. Right. But they're and all checking out the fact that Adam Warlock is the star fighter here. So they're there to they're there to rescue Gamora. I like this the way uh, that's Adam Warlock's picture up there. He's alive. Time for us to hastily depart this rock. And I'm thinking that's not first of all that's not a terribly Peter Quill way of putting it, or maybe it is. I don't know in Starlin's vision, but I know. I, although I haven't read all of the uh, all of the uh, Annihilation era stories yet, I know that that ended badly between Quill and Warlock. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of tell you exactly what happened here. Exactly, that's how I know. But, yeah. uh... But, and I agree with Drax. Yeah. You know, even before I got to the part where they meet up again, I agree with Drax. Warlock's a cosmic kind of guy. Maybe he won't hold a grudge by you offing him. And again, with that's a weirdly casual diction for Drax, you know? It's weird, because on the one hand, we've got Quill saying, time for us to hastily depart this rock, which is a less casual diction than you would expect from uh, from from Peter Quill, and then Drax is like, well, Warlock's a cosmic kind of guy. Maybe he won't hold a grudge about you offing him, and that's a way more casual mode of speech than we'd expect from Drax. Just things, again, that I think about. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's the last time most of them, and I think it's pretty much the last time for the most part, up until these graphic novels that Warlock was really seen mm-hmm. in Marvel, was mm-hmm. those, that Guardians of the Galaxy series, and he was killed there, and then that was it, pretty much, until Starlin again. Mm-hmm. Found and so uh, Rocket's trying to, to to sell the red herring crystal, or at least find out what it is. Mm-hmm. And again, they're playing along with it. He's like, "It's my precious." Yeah, I like that little Lord of the Rings reference. It's my <laughs> maybe precious. I'll put it on a chain around my neck. Huh. I am Groot. What do you mean, tacky? I should take fashion advice from a walking weed. Okay. <laughs> so now we cut back for a brief uh, brief glimpse at our uh, triumvirate of evil, at our trio of doom. Well, pretty much everyone, too, but they get the biggest panel. Now, yeah, because as we see, is, everyone is all of a sudden registered. Sorry, go on. This is deliberate misdirection on Starlin's part, because we cut from Ra- from a scene of Rocket talking about the, the gem with the very unusual translucence and hue, like nothing this particular vendor has ever come across before, to Boltar talking about, Sire, I have de- determined the precise location of the power source we seek. He's really trying to deke us into thinking the power source is that gem rockets carrying around. Yep. Like the man said. Communism is just a red herring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then everyone else is talking about it as well. We've got Chandelar um, with the Shi'ar. 
We've got the Hala, the, the homeworld of the Kree Empire. We've got the Skrulls. We've got Spartax of all places. So a little bit of a bringing in of um, of the Bendis version of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, yeah, we'll Galactus, the Avengers, and this appears to be Annihilation era, not Annihilation, uh, Infinity era Avengers, Hickman era Avengers. Uh, potentially. I don't, With Mr. I, I Fantastic really hanging around? Month. Yeah. So, it could be. I'm not sure which, because I really, I've skimmed a lot of those, but I do need to get to get to the point where I read that. Yeah, no, it was actually... I haven't got up to that in my, pre, in my pre-Secret Wars reading. I have not got up to that yet. And let me just tell you, Hickman is dense and occasionally impenetrable, but... Well... I've read S.H.I.E.L.D., and I've read his Fantastic Four, so I know that. Most yeah, of it, at least. So yeah. I know that. So the thing is, <laughs> that, man, that man thinks on a scale, on a large, on a long-term scale, like almost no one else I've ever seen. Like, seriously, he makes he makes uh, um, Chris Claremont look like Stan Lee. But the point is, uh, Hickman's Fantastic Four run into Hickman's Avengers, Avengers run into Secret Wars constitutes an epic large-scale story i can't think of a larger scale story that's ever been told in comic form it does pay off if you if you put the time and effort into taking it in in that manner it definitely pays off and we get just real quick as we move on to uh the double page spread here um that follows uh we do get a little bit of a callback to the hickman avengers because omega one of the beings introduced at the beginning of his new Avengers run. That's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. He um, he makes a little, uh, a little a little a little appearance there, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, he's in the arena mm-hmm. to watch this fight, and oh, but we also finally get uh, we also got Thanos looking at the information too. Right, exactly. Although yep, he has yep, a yep. bit more idea of what he's looking at, it looks like. Uh huh. Because he has a couple different readings he's looking at, and that's a very in, and now we're starting to we're starting to get to the um, the the information. It's interesting. I didn't notice that that information had been. Pre- I remember when this information pays off. I hadn't noticed its initial presentation in this page, so that's yeah. interesting to me. It was 1938. The country continues its slow recovery from the Great Depression, while war clouds loom throughout Asia. German aggression builds in Europe. Americans seek comfort and distraction. It was a time when the most popular form of entertainment was radio. But a new form had been growing steadily and was set to explode. It was to become the golden age of the American comic book. My name is Chris. And my name is Mike. Please join us as we explore comics in the golden age between 1938 and 1955. All genres will be discussed from superheroes to crime, horror, science fiction, humor, and western. So join us for the Comics in the Golden Age podcast, available through iTunes and Stitcher, and visit us on Facebook or at comicsinthegoldenage.com. Well, before we end the episode, let's cover the feedback. And the feedback we're doing this time is for episode 87, Ring of Fire. That was the Mephisto crossover roundtable episode, which not only have myself, but Rick from Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, John and Maggie from Married with Comics, and Tim Price, who was the awesome voice of Mephisto. Anyway, that episode was liked and shared on Facebook by Shag Matthews, Michael Lane, 
Tim Price, Rick, I want to go with either Heineken or Heineken. You know what? Screw it. Rick Heineken, Bill Bear, Chris Matthews, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Gene Hendricks, Pat Sampson, Aaron Head Moss, The Merit of Comics Podcast, Tosi Tosi, Scott Chips, Matt Moore, Delvin Williams, Chip Lambert, Christy Strucker, and Mirko Mackey. On Twitter, it was liked and retweeted by Secret Transmission Podcast, Well Kept and Unclean, Dan O, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Into the Weird, Bob Rowland, Tim Price, Cosmic, Black Swan Game Theory. Alright, this one, you really can forgive me for not being able to pronounce because it was just a bunch of symbols. However, the actual Twitter handle is at ch0 and then an underscore. So, I don't know how to pronounce your name, but whoever you are, thank you. Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Let's Talk Defenders. Turd Ferguson, Rob Lowe, Byron McGrain, Chris, and Comics in the Golden Age. Also want to thank a few more of the people who are following our page on Tumblr, so thank you to Fuck Yeah Miko Kaji, Emberus250, Ash3, Jock Rock Vam, and A Dark Sweet Lady. Finally, as we've been doing the last several episodes, we're catching up on emails and comments on the Podbean site that I have been forgetting to check. So today we have a comment from the Podbean site for episode 46. They left this one back on September 5th. So just to refresh your memories, episode 46 was Menace from the Moons of Saturn. It was the first of the three episodes we did covering the issues of Daredevil that featured Thanos and Moondragon. Mostly Moondragon. Murray Fox was our guest co-host on that episode. And the comment was left by Nahan. And he said, totally, totally. But he wrote it T-O-T apostrophe L-L-Y. I'm assuming based on that, he's either having fun with the valley speak that Angar's girlfriend was doing, or he was referring to the part of the description of the episode where I wrote, you are sane, you are sane. Either way, I think it works. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. So our time clock has run out, so we will come back next time with uh, more of the Infinity Row. Relativity. Relativity, yes. Part There's too many infinity de- R's for these, it gets a little mixed up, confusing. Yes, yes. But um, especially when the R words that they're using don't appear to have, uh, like, the infinity revelation, I get. The infinity relativity, uh, well, I'll have to see how that plays into this one, but we'll get to that the next time. Um, part de. Yes, as we'll actually get to see Adam Warlock fighting in the gladiatorial ring, and for the most part, I believe we should get to the point where most, all of our characters meet up again. Yes. So, cool. Right. So Thanks, I, Thanks, Brian. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'll be back next time to uh, tackle more of this good stuff. All right. We'll see you all then. Bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, 
and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.